This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. to Better Late Than Never. This is a mostly movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie didn't live up to the hype for them. I say this is a mostly movie podcast because this week we're doing something completely different. We're discussing a TV show. This week, I'm joined by returning guest Faith, and we're discussing a TV show that she has never seen before, Rick and Morty. Faith, welcome back to the show. Dave, thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. And Faith, Rick and Morty, holy shit, you've never seen Rick and Morty? Oh my God. Absolutely not. I've never, I've never seen this show. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, before we dive into that shocking revelation, um, how are you doing? Uh, I'm hanging in, Dave. You know, yeah. I, think, I think that's the only answer in the <laughs> yeah. times. And if anyone gives a different answer, well, I don't trust them slash they should take me out to dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> you want to get some dinner? I, I mean, is this a date? <laughs> yeah. Virtual date. That's how it happens nowadays. People meeting each other in all sorts of crazy ways. Yeah, I've seen those eHarmony commercials. That's all I watch, really. That's why I haven't seen Rick and Morty. Yeah. Too busy, too busy watching uh, Hinge commercials, eHarmony, Match.com, you know? Just, just giving us just, hope for the future. They're like, there is a future to look forward to. I'm like, prove it. Prove <laughs> it. Oh, I just watch them and cry. <laughs> <laughs> Why not me? So, Dave, I have a question for you. What? Um, why a TV show? Why don't you just stick to your lane? Aren't there enough TV show podcasts, Dave? Stay in your lane. Well, because, Faith, there's so much. I just think there's so much beauty in the world it fills my heart like a balloon and makes it want to burst no i wanted to uh, expand the content to open it up to all kinds of different things there's so many interesting and cool huge cultural zeitgeisty things out there that people have missed and i want to pull them onto the podcast and embarrass them in front of the audience to get them exposed for not having seen them like so you, you right now for not having seen Rick and Morty. Do you think that people in general would think it's embarrassing that I haven't seen Rick and Morty? Or do you think that it's just people who are Rick and Morty fans think it's embarrassing that I haven't seen it? 
no, it's not embarrassing for not having seen it. It's more just, um, I think it's interesting to explore people's first time reactions to things like this. I mean, my, my original title for the podcast was going to be Vicarious Thrill because, you know, when you have something that you really like, a movie or a book or a TV show, some piece of art that you love, basically the best way to get the joy of experiencing it for the first time again is to introduce somebody else to it for the first time. And you get the vicarious thrill of showing it to them and watching them enjoy it for the first time. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, I totally, I totally feel so, you. And I actually like to, when I come on the podcast, on purpose, pick something that I'm not sure if I will like. Like, I like to take a little, it's a little bit of a risk for you, right? To be like showing, talking about something with me that you actually really care about, because what if I don't like it? That might be the opposite of a thrill. But it's also kind of like a risk that I'm trying to take to be like, let me see if I can expose myself to things that are potentially not in my wheelhouse and, you know, come in with a relatively open mind. But I have the sort of some biases that kept me from watching this. It's like, why did I miss this in the first place? Well, it was like more a little bit on purpose. And so I want to see, you know, I want to come to it and see what's my reaction. Well, that uh, loops us a little bit back around again to rick and morty itself actually so you actually chose this one uh to do do you want to fill in a little bit why you wanted to do rick and morty yeah sure i mean part of it is that a lot of friends that i have like this show and don't just like this show but really like this show so i was curious to see what the fuss is all about um, but also I think it like kind of sparks some good conversation for me to dive into something that's, like I said, a little bit out of my wheelhouse. So I'm going to um, come right out and admit it. I'm not an animation person. There it is. There it is. And we've talked about this before. And And I really want to emphasize that when I say that, it's not you animation, it's me. Um, you know, so like I watched lots of animated shows up until probably I was in high school. And then as I kind of grew up like into an adult, I just stopped watching it. I'm not trying to say I grew out of it or, or I am more mature than these shows. It just kind of fell away in terms of me, um, identifying with an animation show or really it appealing to me. And so at the same time, I recognize there's so many different, it's like a in master genre. It's saying, I don't like drama. It's like, I or get like, that. I don't like live action. Right. You know, <laughs> the so, op- yeah. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, I think when I say I don't <laughs> like animation or I don't connect with animation, it's hard for me to start watching an animated property. A movie's a little easier because it's, a, a, you know, to an hour and a half to two hours, but a TV show could be one season, could be five seasons. It, I just don't stay engaged. So even if I can recognize that it's good, it's well done, I enjoy a specific episode, it's hard for me to keep wanting to click next episode. And it's something about the visual elements of these animated properties that's not 
catching me in like, you know, the last 10 years or something. Is it because the fact that they're animated and just there's not a live person there that you just find it distancing emotionally or what? I'm really not sure. Because like I know there's animated properties that are run the gamut of all kinds of emotions. There's stuff that's like, you know, really funny, like probably a show like this, or there's stuff that's like really hits you. Um, I know a lot of people rave about Avatar The Last Airbender, which I haven't seen either. Um, so yeah, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I would like to explore whether I can like stick with an animated show, get into it, appreciate it for the qualities of the, that the show itself has rather than being turned off by the fact that it's animation. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask about that too, just because, um, so I am a fan of this show. I would say that uh, knowing going into this one that you were not really into animation, my response was uh, that this is not the show I would have picked to try and sell you on animation, you know? Uh, I probably would have picked something more like Avatar The Last Airbender or um, maybe a, a, a film, something more like a Studio Ghibli movie or something from Pixar, something a little bit more... Like and that, I have just... seen some of those and enjoyed them. Like I have, I'm not made of stone. I've cried it <laughs> inside out on an airplane like everyone else. And I, I haven't seen a Miyazaki film in a long time, but I, you know, I remember being impressed back in high school or whatever when I saw it. So I think, I think it's not so much that we're trying to set the bar really high and be like, better later, never animation. We're just doing Rick and Morty, but I wanted to pick something that was animated. Cause like, it's like kind of out of my comfort zone. So I think it's like kind of okay. a good experiment. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Also my goal is to offend um, as many of your listeners as possible. And if I, if I believe I've heard one thing about Rick and Morty is that the fans are um, a little intense. They, they really, they really like this show. So I'm hoping that you get a lot of angry emails and are potentially canceled after this episode is released. Oh, all right. Predictions <laughs> moving into predictions now. Got it. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. 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 Good that you're uh, going for the outside the comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, I will give an example. Like I have, there's another show that is like primarily for adults that is animated and highly acclaimed in the last few years, BoJack Horseman, mm -hmm. which is a show that I have appreciated and I have watched maybe six or seven episodes of it and I liked them, but it, I just couldn't, I just didn't keep going. Not mm -hmm. couldn't keep going, I didn't keep going. So I'm wondering if like, even though I thought that show was quite good and very clever, I'm wondering if the animation could have been the, you know, the stopping point for going forward. So I don't know, it would be curious, to tr uh, good to try it with another one and see how it goes. And did you feel like it was, what a, do you feel like for you, it's like the actual animation itself or? the it was the writing i think it was the actual animation itself mm, okay i think the writing was you know engaging enough but i don't know it's hard there's so much tv nowadays there's so much content it's actually it's not it's not like the only shows i quit are animated shows it's like i quit a lot of shows tell me about it all right well so rick and morty itself enough of the, enough of this meta commentary oh yeah i don't think we're gonna get into that again <laughs> you're right <laughs> Um, what have you heard about 
Rick and Morty. What do you know? What do you think you know about this show? Yeah, so I think I do know a few things, like for definite. Okay. Um, I am ninety-five percent sure that this show was created by Dan Harmon okay. of uh, Community Fame, a show of which I've seen maybe fifty percent and like pretty well. I think if Chevy Chase wasn't in that show, I'd be fully in the tank for it. But I dislike oh, him so much. Oh, I feel you on that, sister. I, I dislike him so much that it really almost almost spoils parts of the show for me. So otherwise, oh, you, you wait. Dislike him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, no, yeah. He's the worst. I I had well for me it, there were particular things about the character. I don't want to lay it entirely on Chevy Chase's feet, but like Fair. the character was so off-putting and terrible i couldn't continue no totally same yeah i was like why do you even hang out with him yeah like it it like broke the reality of the show but i thought the humor was great and very clever yeah and um and i know that being this being a dan Harmon property i think he has his you know, kind of in the J.J. Abrams mold, he has very strong fans who are, it's like kind of the, the personality around the creator. Mm. Um, I know he like does podcasts, none of which I've ever heard. Um, I don't know if he has any other shows other than these two. He had, um, for a long time before even Community, he had this uh, thing called Channel 101, which was uh, this really cool project where you made a five minute, uh, it it could be up to five minutes, a five minute pilot episode for a TV show and sent it in. And, you know, they sort of like whittled down their favorites. And then they had a screening once a month at a theater of like, I don't know, like 20 of the ones that they picked and the audience would vote on their favorites and the top five vote getters would then go on the website channel 101 and then the ones that were on the website that got picked up those could send in episode two. Oh, that's really cool did you and ever attend ep- that or participate that in that or anything? i tried sending in uh, a couple of times i sent in episodes but i never i never made it into the show yeah, maybe it was like by that time it was like really popular. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw some amazing things come out. I, the Lonely Island guys came out of Channel 101. Some of their earliest work was uh, The Boo, which was an OC parody come out of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anyway, and so long story short, I think uh, Dan Harmon was behind that or at least heavily involved in that. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of uh, knowing him from, you know, community, I have some sense of what his comedic style is which is a lot of meta stuff a lot of playing with genre and a lot of kind of I guess it would be called quirky comedy I know that's not very specific but yeah I think that what I've heard about this show is that it takes animation but like an animated series but it tries to play with the um, the rules a little bit it's like well so many things have been done but let's like play around with like plot structures and what all the themes mean. I don't know. Okay. And you haven't seen any of it at all. I've never seen any of it. I have seen like stills of um, from taken from the series. So I think I know who the main character characters are. 
Who, what do you think the main characters are? So I know that there is a mad scientist okay. uh, of some kind who wears like, you know, a sort of back to the future doc type who like wears a lab coat and has crazy spiky hair. And I want to say that he goes on um, time and space adventures with his nephew, some, a relative of some kind, a younger, also male um, character. But I'm not as sure about the second character. Okay. Any ideas on any other characters or? No ideas other? on any other characters. Like, I feel like they, this mad scientist is like an inventor and that he's got some sort of device machine that's either like a time travel um, machine or a time and space and all the universe like realms of reality. Like I feel like they're bending various rules of physics in order to have crazy adventures within various episodes. That's my sense of it. Mm -hmm. okay. So each episode could be like a totally different theme that's playing around just the way like community used to have. Um, themed episodes that were playing around with sign of a trope. Cool, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm curious and how it would be if I uh, watched this show uh, sober, because I think a lot, the way a lot of animation does fall into kind of stereotypes is that it's better when, you know, you have enjoyed certain substances to uh, make it, um, you know, more trippy. Um, so I'm curious if I did just like sit down on whatever, I don't know, 10:30 a.m. on a Saturday morning cartoon time and just like watched it straight would you know just having the effects of coffee uh help me to appreciate the show yeah the thing about animation is that uh it is you know so visually thrilling that it lends itself so well you know it's like you said it's trippy so it lends itself to uh very nicely to non-sober viewing right but like, I'm hoping I can still appreciate the jokes. Um, oh yeah, yeah, no, it, it'll, yeah. It'll be anyway, fun. yeah, and yeah. But like, of course, I, this is your viewing experience, <laughs> uh, Faith. So you can you can watch this however you want. That's true. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try it a variety of ways. Just as long you as know. you remember enough that you can talk about it in part two. Right. I'll make I'll make notes. <laughs> yeah, um, take notes. It's like okay, so I have um, clock. <laughs> Some Dorito dust. I've drawn a picture of a cat. Oh, that's just a portrait of my cat. <laughs> and uh, apparently this looks just like a streak of my own blood. I, I mean, I think I'd be ready. I'd be ready to talk about that. Now, uh, I wanted to ask, does the show have any kind of like particular reputation at all for you? It's not so much like the show itself. It's more like I maybe alluded to this earlier, the fans around the show being yeah. like very intense and having like really strong feelings about the show. And I'm kind of curious why, because I know people were like really into community, like they loved it, but I don't know if they were like to use a, a Gen Z word stands of the show, <laughs> like, you know, sort of the type of show that would, you would go to Comic-Con around it or like you would get into really intense fights online or if people had the wrong opinion about it, you know, right. you would like maybe go off on them. I'm not saying like definitely this has happened about the show, but I'm saying that the fans have a bit of a reputation. And I think mm. that that is interesting to explore having, you know, just watching the show and being like, oh, why do people respond to it this much? Like I heard a story that maybe I can investigate uh, 
during the uh, the in between part um, before we come back is like a something about a McDonald's and some Szechuan sauce and uh, the fans being really intense about that. So um, I don't know anything more, but yeah, I don't know why people are so crazy about it. Like I know simpsons fans a lot of my friends are simpsons fans i used to love that show back in the day but i feel like people who love the simpsons are just like kind of chill about it they're like yeah the simpsons (laughs) yeah so it's curious if rick and morty fans are kind of like rabid it's like why it does it have some of the wrong connotations in terms of that venn diagram between like gamergate and like other subcultures that could maybe be a little bit problematic in the behavior of some of their fans i'm wondering you know i'm hoping that there's not going to be elements of the show itself that are going to turn me off okay yeah i don't know i'm curious of how much this show is going to make me think as well or if it's mainly for entertainment are there any quotes from the show that you've heard before no no i don't know none at all i don't no, I don't think so. I mean, maybe there's a quote that's kind of like pay, like playing off some back to the future quote, like let's go to the time or like I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Off anything. to the galaxy. Right. Something like that. Some sort of catchphrase that they say when they're about to go on their adventure. Okay. That's fine. No, I don't know any individual episode um themes or topics. I'm yeah, I'm coming into the show pretty blind other than having a potential from seeing stills of it to what the animation is going to look like, which I'll be honest with you is not necessarily the type of animation that even like appeals to me if I'm going to get into it, like, which would be more of like a visually softer style, you know, a sort of Japanese style animation. Well, I think that just about does it for the specific questions that I had and we've covered quite a bit. Um, I'll leave it to you though, Faith. Is there anything else as far as predictions go or hopes that you have that you want to get down on record? No, I don't really have any other predictions. Okay. Except, you know, probably there'll be one uh, major female character. She might not be in every episode, but I'll like her the best. Okay. So, yeah, we had sort of a question here on what we were going to do insofar as what you would watch um this is the first time we're doing a show on better late than never and it's an organic process we're figuring it out as we go yeah i mean i will say you did ask me if i'd be willing to watch the whole show and i said i don't think that i have time for that and i i sort of was like fair enough i mean especially Um, a show doesn't the show have like three or four seasons yeah i think uh i think season four it's either season four or season five. I think season four is what just came out. And even if uh, it's a cable show with like 10 episodes, that's like quite a lot of commitment. Even if the episodes are only like anime shows are shorter. So say they're what they're, they're 10 or 15 minute long episodes. They're 22. They're about 22 minutes. And also frankly, that I think having you do the entire show in a gulp and come back that I think that would give us too much material to discuss all at once. So I wanted to, I didn't really want that to be what we did. And so the next option after that was do a season, which would be about 10 episodes, uh, which I think could work. But then I thought, um, 
another option could be uh, we could go Hulu has the has three seasons currently available. So we could take a curated sample of 10 or 11 episodes from the three seasons currently out. That's kind of an interesting idea. So like, would you pick the episodes? Well, Faith, that is what I think we're going to go with. Okay. Um, Okay. I stuck mostly to season one and season two, uh, just to keep you sort of front loaded on the early seasons. This, not really like a spoiler per se, but just to explain the thought process. I would describe Rick and Morty as being lightly serialized. Right. So it's not really a serialized show, but there are a couple of serialized elements that pop up again and again. So I wanted to target episodes that are important for that, but also the individual episodes that are quote unquote important. Yeah. So are you going to try to give me only episodes you think are good or would you throw in something there that you think might be considered a weak episode or a controversial episode? Or are there none of those? They're all amazing. There is an episode in here that I think is not especially strong. There's one or two episodes in here that I don't consider to be among the best, but are important. Okay, yeah, I like that. I think it's good, like, not to just cherry pick your favorites per se, but to get a good representation of the show. So that I trust you to do that. Yeah, and so um, I'll, I'll, for those of you who are following along at home, I'll list them out now. It's 11 episodes, six from season one, four from season two, and one from season three. So from season one, we have the pilot episode, Lawnmower Dog, Me Seeks and Destroy, Rick Potion Number Nine, Ricksty Minutes, and Close Encounters of the Rick Kind. From season two, Auto Erotic Assimilation, Total Recall, The Ricks Must Be Crazy, and The Wedding Squanchers. And then from season three, Pickle Rick. And if you think Dave has picked the wrong episodes, feel free to tweet at the pod or to email and tell him uh, what he should have chosen instead. Yeah, I'm sure nobody in the Rick and Morty fandom has any sort of opinion whatsoever on what constitutes the most important episodes. These are the quintessential episodes according to Dave. Yeah. Oh, I already wanted to just respond and to say, based on those titles, I'm already furious that I have to watch this. Can't believe you didn't include blah blah blah. blah. No, I'm more afraid. These are, these are some silly puns. I mean, it doesn't really matter about like episode titles. Everyone like picks a theme for like how they're gonna title their show episodes, but these are silly. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you already regretting your choice? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Can we do Who Avatar knows? instead? <laughs> no, I'm gonna give it a good go. I'm gonna give it a good go. All right, cool. Well, in that case, Faith, I guess we're about ready for you to embark on this Rick and Morty journey. Are you ready to start watching? I am, Captain. Well, in that case, good luck to you. If anyone would like to um, 
email me or tweet me or, you know, just share your thoughts and opinions on Rick and Morty and all the mistakes I just made and setting up that curated list, hit me up at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com or tweet me at betterlate underscore pod. Otherwise, Faith, I will catch you when you are done watching this awesome, awesome cartoon. I don't know what I've gotten myself in for. Off to the galaxy! This is the part where we're watching the show. And now it's done. And so now we're back. And we've watched Rick and Morty. What did we think? <laughs> well, don't worry, Dave. I uh, I will tell you in in due time. In due time. Well, first, I want to. I just want to say that there there has been a little bit of a gap. Inter- I didn't I didn't just sit down watch all the episodes and then we and then we started talking again uh, eight hours later. Uh, sorry, podcast to, is ruined. Yeah, sorry to ruin the magic. But I will say that when I told my friends, you know, what I was doing. There were a number of people who were very, very excited for me to get into this. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that I think that there is a lot of people uh, among our friends who are very invested in Rick and Morty, and I think that uh, echoes how a lot of Rick and Morty fans feel. Oh so, yeah, I've been getting a lot of emails from the Rick and Morty fans being like, "How's it going? Does she like it? <laughs> is she liking it? What does she think?" Yeah, and thank you for giving them all my social media handles. They've also been asking me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you you know, your home phone number and your Mm -hmm, address mm -hmm. and, you know, the keys to your house, you know, all all those things. I think we'll get back to doxing in a second. Um, We can trust them with all that. They're very (laughs) responsible. But so I'd like to I'd like to share a story um, about uh, my watching experience. So um, uh, right after we recorded the uh, the first part, I sat down. I uh, I signed into the old Hulu uh, with ads, folks. I'm not rich here. And um, I clicked on the pilot. I watched the pilot. Okay. And then as it finished, I said, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What have I gotten myself into? Uh-oh. So, yeah, I would like to share that after I watched the pilot, I was extremely worried about watching the other episodes because I absolutely loathed the pilot. The pilot is not very good. Yes. So after I watched the pilot and had such a visceral dis- <laughs> re- reaction of disgust, I did not watch any more episodes for about 10 days. That's oh how God. long I needed to recover. I was a little worried about this too because I, I I do agree with you. Like the pilot is, it well, it's not only not very good, it's also not super representative of like kind of what the show evolves into. That's what I. That's why I decided to keep going and not to call you and to back out of the entire thing. <laughs> I was like, if the other episodes are all like this, how am I going to do it? I, I have to watch ten more. So anyway, but I I know that there is such a thing as pilotitis. They're often made um, like before the rest of the show is made. They're made to introduce the characters. They're made based on an idea and they have to do a lot of work. There are very not it's not that there are a few. I'd say like less than 50 percent of pilots are like 
good. Um, and there are many good shows without good pilots, I feel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tons of pilots are terrible. So I was like, all right, I'm going to give it another shot. And I did get through the rest of the episodes in about a week. So I was able to complete my task. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's. But uh, it was it was amusing that after the first one, I was so concerned. So, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the issues I had with the first I, one. I will say I came really close to having you just skip the pilot because <laughs> I was I was concerned about this. But then I was like, oh, but like, oh, I think it's good that you did. Because She's gotta I watched the pilot. Right? I, well, I think some of the issues that I had with the pilot will will return, but also I think that yes, the if you're just doing that, it's not representative of the show as a whole. So like, like let's get into some of the issues yeah. that I had. First okay. of all, oh uh, wait, I know we theoretically uh, it people just listened to this like 30 seconds ago, but uh, for us it's been a while. So just to recap, the episodes that you watched were the pilot. Lawnmower Dog, Me Seeks and Destroy, Rick Potion Number Nine, Ricksty Minutes, Close Encounters of the Rick Kind, Autoerotic Assimilation, Total Rick Hall, The Ricks Must Be Crazy, The Wedding Squanchers, and Pickle Rick. Um, and I okay. will say I watched one additional episode um, oh, based on someone's recommendation, the one um, with the with the Lady Civilization. Oh, okay. I watched that one as well. Yeah, I forget the name of that one too. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, go. Uh, please go ahead. Yes. So, um, and I may and I may mix up some of the episode names. So, um, apologies for that. I know them as the order in which I watched episode one, episode two, etc. Um, the first one, Rick's spit uh, coming yeah. out of his face. So gross. I wrote the first thing I wrote. Really bad first impression. Rick spit. I hate it so much. Uh, Morty is boring. I don't like either of them. The animation is boring. I want the show of the daughter. The mom and dad are cute. That one did not age well. Uh, and then I wrote here on the side, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think that what in terms of like the bad first impression, the Rick and Morty adventure start off um, in the first episode is um, a little bit short on concept and it's a little bit short on jokes yeah i mean it's basically just uh stick this up your ass joke mm-hmm mm-hmm and it just like it okay it is showing immediately playing off back to the future which is fine like that's uh, yeah. that's the quintessential you know time like and space travel and like wacky mad scientist with the young assistant you know we know that from pop culture and like that's that's a fine premise for a show. It's not the premise that's the problem. It's like immediately the show is throwing you into the, the aspects that are the most difficult to get over, which is how how challenging Rick is as a as a character and yeah. how how much Morty can be, not always, but how much Morty can be a charisma suck. Like right Whoops. away, it's being like, oh, this other family, the daughter and the parents and their story, that's what you want to be watching. The Rick and Morty stuff, oh, that's that's not as funny. Going to your predictions, you did say that, um, well, you predicted there would only be one female character, and there's really two, so. That's true. Terrible mistake. But you also predicted that you would like the female character the best, so that looks like it immediately 
proved correct. Yes. I mean, I started in the earlier episodes that I watched, I started keeping track of the laughs that I did in the show because in the early episodes, I'm going to admit there weren't a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the first episode, the only time I laughed was in the high school. Um, they got the hot jock got frozen and then he <laughs> and broke killed. apart. And that yeah. was funny. Um, and it was such a, it, it became like a thing. I was like, oh, am I laughing? If I'm not, I'm going to make a note of where I laughed. So the Rick and Morty stuff I found in the first episode, like very off-putting, just crude and obvious. And I was like, what? I thought this was going to be clever. I thought this was going to be like meta. I thought this was going to be saying something. And I know the, sh- the show does go there later on, but it was, it was a tough beginning is all I'm going to say. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess we're definitely going to talk about this more as you continue through the episodes. But since you mentioned it, I do want to ask you, were you um, were you prepared for just how much of a toxic presence Rick is? I absolutely was not prepared. Um, I guess I should have maybe had some idea based on you know we've talked already in part one about the fans we've talked about sort of the play on the mad scientist thing but no i was not i mean you know he's basically take um chevy chase's character from community the other dan Harmon property and like make him uh incredibly smart uh just like yeah the toxic the toxicness was an immediate like turn off and something that was very difficult to get over going forward. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll see if you did. So uh, to keep taking us through. Yeah. Well, do you want to go like episode, like through the other episodes? Well, I, I don't know. This is such a new what, thing. What do you, what I mean, do you, could... what do you think of the show? What was your first impression of it? Did it grab you immediately? Like did, or did it take you some time to get into it? My, you know, it was remarkably similar to yours because by the time I started the show, it had already developed a very fanatical fan base. Uh, you know, it was probably season two had started by the time I decided to check it out. And um, people were super into it. People were talking about it. So I was like, okay, I'll look at this. And I saw the pilot and... I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know, I I thought the animation was grotesque. Rick's drooling was disgusting. I didn't think the pilot was that funny. Um, Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that I wasn't like totally off, at least on the pilot. No, no. I I had the same reaction as you. Oh, I also, coming to the animation, another thing that I found actually very um, visually kind of, distressing actually is the pupils okay are not circles they're that little uh asterisk they're like a little star and for whatever reason it took me a long time to get over that yeah i don't remember that detail particularly but the animation definitely i mean part of it actually turned me off and like part of it i just didn't find visually stimulating even the parts that should have been which is like all the universes and like outer space and like alternate places you know i think the family home is like deliberately boring it kind of reminds you of sort of like a a family guy vibe and and like the place where you would hope that you would have potential for um being really inventive with all the the different worlds it's almost like they're not going for that they're like matter of factly depicting like an alien with a 
weird butt and then you know <laughs> yeah yeah um but i will say um in terms of the comedy i felt like more encouraged by the next episode lawnmower dog i was like okay this is getting better uh the me seeks episode for me i was like i think is genuine genuinely brilliant yes I'll... and then in in mm-hmm. season two we'll get to what i think is the best episode of the show for me personally where it hits uh an emotional level they introduce a uh an emotional element that um hit me very hard and brings the show to a deeper level that I think actually is pretty impressive. Yeah, so. and I definitely want to talk about that because I think the show definitely does move forward in terms of levels. Whether or not they always connected with me is, you know, a bit of a hit or miss thing, but I'm definitely, you know, I think we should talk about how it progresses because I, I do think the show is going somewhere. I just don't know if the message that it's saying is something that I agree with. So, like, I'll go back to the episodes you mentioned, because uh, I actually uh, quite agree with you. Um, oh, I'd like to introduce here, um, because I was so concerned about how I was reacting to the first few episodes, I created my own uh, Rick and Morty scale um, on one to five Rick and Mortys based on how much how well I thought the episode did on compared to other Rick and Mortys. Um, so I think I said that uh, episode one was like a one. I gave it a one on a Rick and Morty scale. Okay. Um, I gave episode two um, a three on a Rick and Morty scale. So there it nice. was a big it was a big jump big up, jump already a big yeah. jump up. Um, just like episode one, um, I thought that the B plot uh, was the real you know winner in the episode. That's the one with Scary Terry, right? We're talking about the dog, of course. Um, I thought, well, I mean, eventually the the two stories do converge, as it often happens in you know later episodes, which I think is a good thing. Um, but in the first couple episodes, I, I usually like the story with the family more, like the daughter and the parents. And I think the Rick and Morty story is like either turning me off or it just doesn't hit for me. Like I, it was an Inception parody and I thought it was not funny. I thought it was obvious. They were like, this, there seemed to be one joke, which is people who like Inception are obnoxious. And that movie was pretentious. Well, there's a little bit agree? of Nightmare on Elm Street too. Yeah, I mean, I just, I thought, I think sometimes the satire and the parody they're, they're doing is actually too direct. There is other times when it like is subtle, but I just... It really didn't work for me in this case. There's just a line from that episode that really sticks out to me that I remember to this day, which is, um, where are my testicles, Summer? Indeed. I preferred uh, Snuffles was my slave name. I wrote that down as my my first (laughs) lol of the episode. Um, Uh. And I thought that the um, dog army was very cute. Um, So, you know, that was already a huge jump up. And so that was when I was like, okay, you know... All right, let's keep let's keep doing these, and then we come to the Mister Meese's episode, which um, yeah, I would say is for me one of my favorites that you presented to me. Um, it was mm. the first time where I was like, okay, I think I'm not necessarily on board for Rick and Morty, but I think I can keep go. I'm no longer scared to have to watch a yeah. more. That's um, that's a great one. Yeah, it was a really great one. It was. It's interesting because like this show is short, right? It's only 
you know, 22, 23 minutes. Um, I was watching with commercials, which is the traditional way we watched all the like animated shows, The Simpsons back in the day. I was like, wow, this is shitty <laughs> to watch it with commercials, <laughs> commercial breaks. Yeah. Like, uh, it, in a way, like animated shows suit streaming so well because they're just like, you know, nice little bite size and then you can just roll over to the next one. Yeah. Um. So I would, I would recommend people maybe get ad free versions <laughs> it's worth shelling out the extra four bucks <laughs> exactly. yeah um that one also the meeseeks one had a lot of cultural penetration like the i'm mr meeseeks and like just in terms of like that quote and like the number of meeseeks toys and like yeah i wrote that there's a lot better animation yeah. in this one i i wrote lol at mini mugshot i'm not i don't know what that refers to but um the tiny prisons advocacy group uh yeah that that episode that episode was very cute and and inventive in a way that some of the other episodes because they're kind of satirizing something or they're commentating on something didn't actually feel mm. quite as original for me so i like something that's like a little bit more zany and weird as an idea um because if it's playing on something if it's satirizing something it better be doing it well otherwise i kind of don't see the point Totally. Um, so yeah, that one I gave. Well, not. Uh, I mean, I, not that I agree, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I gave it. I gave it a four out of. Um, oh, only on a four. The, okay. A four on the Rick and Morty. I think I had written five, and then I crossed it out and wrote four because I, I, you know, the curve. You gotta. Okay. You gotta okay. see. I'm not sure. Did any episode achieve a five? We'll get there. We'll see. <gasps> <laughs> Rick well, potion number nine. Rick this one I think is a nine. step back. Let me look. I didn't have a lot of comments. Can you remind me of the uh, the plot of this one again? So this is the one where they uh, accidentally destroy the world. Oh yeah, because Morty wants has a crush on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, this is one of the ones where you asked me if I was including any episodes that I didn't think were as good. This is one of them. Um, I don't really think this is a particularly good episode as far as it goes, but I think it's an important one because uh, the ending of the episode... I did write ending fine. <laughs> well, but but it's, it's like an yeah. important ending. It's introducing it, it, something. It introduces this idea that they can just jump realities. Yeah, it's it's like introducing that. this uh, like existential doubt in, in Morty. Which is yeah. going to come back to actually introduce later, some, yeah. um, like character growth, which is good because he sure as heck needs it. Yeah. Um, I did this. I made a note here. Um, there are some moments in the show. The show. One of the issues that I have with the show, and I do think they try to address it sometimes, and I think with varying degrees of the su success, this show is very white. This show is oh. very male, and I think obviously, like it's pretty common to be like oh yeah cartoons like making like women jokes or like you know being for a juvenile male audience but i think when this show does make jokes or comments on about uh people of color it really doesn't land that well like there Do you are have something in mind I'm there's to think. i don't know if it's from this episode there's the episode where um the dad is like kind of talking in like jive and I guess it's a commentary on people who, like, just talk like that for no reason at all. But then they just don't go far enough or, or comment enough on it. And then they just drop it. 
it's almost like it's just kind of being played for laughs. There's a lot of like stereotypes that come up in any character of color, which is very few. It just it just didn't quite feel right to me. Okay. Watching it. I'm not saying the show is necessarily problematic. I'm just saying, you know, it's very white and it's very male. It is very white. I think, I don't know. I think the female characters have grown over time. But I mean, they're certainly not on the level of the male ones. You definitely um, see that later, especially with Summer in, um, you know, starting to participate in the adventures on, in later seasons. And then the mom's journey as well, I think, is, you know, worth, you know, following. Yeah. So it's not it's not not there. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, yeah. the no, who the point. creators are. Shows. Two white guys. Mm-hmm. And I know they did get some women in later. We'll talk about that uh, to write for the show. But the main sensibilities are always there. And it's not even that you can't have a show about two white guys like as the main characters. It's more the way the jokes are constructed, the way the worlds are constructed, and the way the situations are constructed. It just, mm. it shows. I mean, they call it out in this episode, but the plot is basically about a super advanced scientific roofie yeah so. yeah and i mean that's another thing it's not <laughs> there's knowingness and then there's real conscientiousness and self-reflection so when i say like the show no the show knows what it's doing a little bit it makes jokes and it makes comments on things but then it kind of just drops it um i feel like to push it further to go all the way would be like not playing it for laughs being like you think you're laughing at this but actually you're not it i think sometimes it tries to have it both ways is what mm. i'm saying it's like oh we're really commenting on this hee 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 but it's like well are you really commenting or are you just also having it be entertainment you can't really always have it be both and also you're using that comment on it as your um get out of jail free card a little exactly. bit exactly yeah. exactly and i wish i had some more um examples to say but i just oh I well family it. guy uses that all the time absolutely and i think you know i'll come i'll come to like where i think rick and morty falls in you know various types of animated shows i think there are um kind of two main camps and it has to do with like the type of the type of jokes that are there and like where those jokes are coming from in terms of like intellect jokes versus like sentimental heart jokes um, and a show can have both. Absolutely, a show can have both. But I think that Rick and Morty falls more in the first camp, um, which leads it to be... It's not that it's not self-reflective. Dan Harmon is clearly thinking about a lot of things, but in a way, he's thinking too much. <laughs> Dan Harmon? <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm, I know. I, I am coming to this idea for the first time. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into into more of the specific oh, yes. specific critiques of the philosophy. Um, let's keep uh, let's keep e- running through these a little bit. Episode 5 if you have it up on your list which one that is. It's the inter- inter- interdimensional cable episode. Okay, I wrote not funny. <laughs> oh, you didn't like this one? Well, I thought that I should like it. I thought that I should because, you know, commenting on TV is like there are so many things to do and there's so many ways to satire. I wrote that the self-referential seems <laughs> extraneous. It's kind of clever when they come together. 
the alternate life stuff I found more interesting, and that oh, that I comes actually, back. I didn't. I I I like this. I, I had the completely opposite reaction to this episode. <laughs> I didn't find the alternate life stuff interesting at all. I just loved the apparently. It's. I mean, given the fact that they're like breaking in the doing of it and leaving it in the episode, it seems like they're completely improving the fake TV. Oh, so, I, absolutely they were. I think that they made the animation first and then they did the voices after. Like what are you oh, what are you saying? Who knows? But like the like just like a gazorpazorp field. I'm gazorpazorp fucking field. <laughs> and just the whole the whole two brothers thing. Two brothers in a van. And then things get really crazy. I just I can't take it. It was so, to me, anyway, just I love those little TV vignettes so much. I really wish I felt similarly because I liked, like, the end. I was like, okay, it's kind of clever when it comes together and it's like, guys, this is just TV. Like, I think sometimes it sticks the landing. But, like, I had made a list up here right above my episode notes of my biggest critiques. Number one, not funny. (laughs) um number five i hate jerry i can't read the in-between ones but you're not the only one i also hate jerry i I, yeah i mean i wrote sometimes i write like too obvious and too pathetic i just i just um i mean no i mean about the show and i and i in a way i think because i was expecting i was expecting more and it's when i say i was expecting more i i had high expectations for what the show was going to do to me intellectually. And maybe that was unfair. Maybe I should have been like, okay, this is an animated show with some cool ideas and some jokes, you know, maybe because it's such a cult and now mainstream hit, I thought it was really going to blow me away. And so I had, I was, I was being a bit harsher on it because, you know, I'm watching it for a podcast. Right. And I, and I, and I hadn't heard anything about it. So yeah, I do want to say that maybe maybe I'm being a little judgment mental on the show, but like, what else is this for? You know, I will say that uh, they do another interdimensional cable episode in another season, and the improv TV vignettes do start to wear a little thin. So mm-hmm. you know, you're not you're not you're not totally wrong. Yeah. Um, Are- what did you think of the next episode, Close Encounters of the Rick Kind? Um, on a Rick and Morty scale of one to five, I gave it a four. I really liked this episode. It's a really good one. Um, I really, I thought it was, again, imaginative because it it really just like, you know, I know we skipped some episodes like in the, in the first season, but it, it, um, it took the whole idea of many universes to another level. And I thought that the specific worlds that were created were more creative than had been in some previous episodes that I'd seen. You know, well, I and it, down... it, it expands the sort of like, uh, it's sort of a weird punish way of saying it, but it expands the world of the show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Deal. Exactly. So this is the one that introduces the uh, the Citadel and the uh, Council of Ricks. And it also introduces Evil Morty. Indeed. Although I don't know if I came back much to Evil Morty in the episodes that you assigned, but I could see that it was going somewhere. Well, people flip for that twist ending. Yes. I mean, I wrote, um, I wrote good end. I only saw it coming like 
um, two minutes or like one minute before it actually happened. Mm-hmm. I wrote here that there's a good arc. Often, actually, what I was saying about the show being really short is, and then they have two A plot and B plot is, you know, the arc sometimes is a little messy. But here, I thought that the story from the beginning, you know, the way that the climax, you know, hit and then the twist at the end was well constructed. Like it felt like a solidly written piece of television. Oh, yeah. Um, I also liked the jokes in this one better, especially the visual jokes. Um, I, Pizza World, Chair World. <laughs> I mean, it, it just kept ramping it up in a way that I wished other episodes had done because that's when it's that's when it gets more absurd and to me more hilarious when you take a joke and then you just keep ramping it up but ramping it up doesn't mean like now we poop on everything you know right right so yeah no it's it's a nice and also it like it's both a cleverly written joke with the dialogue that's like the the increasingly hilarious pizza order combined with the like the visuals of like the changing of who's making the order with the furniture, with what they're ordering, like it all works together. Exactly. It ties to not a lot of episodes are just too loose for me. They don't tie together. And I think when you have like a short episode, you need to have it be a little tighter for a lot of the time. For me, this one is tight, right? That's why it works. You know, I wrote that I thought that that there are some good emotional moments. I thought the Jerry plus doofus Rick was extremely cute. Yeah. And I wrote that the here I actually felt that the show is asking a legitimate question like who is dispensable. And that is a question that it continues to like get into in later um yes. later episodes, but that's um a, I feel like a genuine emotional question whereas a lot of times I felt like the 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 questions about heart that the show was asking were a little bit disingenuous because of its depiction of nihilism i'm not going to say espousal of nihilism we'll talk about that but like again it was it tries to sometimes have it both ways in terms of depicting a universe that is cruel because it is random and then asking us to care what is the reasons that it gives yeah um you know you say you say that and it's a good point um that it's this episode does a good job of building on that but it's even in the episode beforehand so we talked about rick potion number nine where they jump to a new universe and then there's the interdimensional cable episode and in that episode i was saving this but i think this is a good point to talk about it um you know and how it pertains to kind of the nihilism question mark of the show in the interdimensional cable episode that you would have watched right before this one summer contemplates running away and morty convinces her to stay by pointing out that um he's not the quote-unquote original morty of that universe uh he's you know he came into that universe after the original perished and the quote he tells to her is um nobody exists on purpose Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's going to die. Come watch TV. Yes. Which is, which is, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a warm nihilism. You know what I mean? It's, it's a nihilistic outlook in a way, but he, he deploys it to, you know, it shows that he's kind of picked up a nihilism from his time with Rick, but he is spinning it in such a way as to kind of 
make a cruel and random universe a slightly more tolerable place. Right. And like, that's my question, you know, going into a little bit deeper into the show's philosophy. What is the show saying about this? What is the show trying to make us think? And what is the viewer supposed to get from that? Like, that's, you know, the tension that I feel that pushes me to to not being on board with the show a lot of the time. The whole this message that nothing matters, but sometimes we pretend that something matters. Um, I'm not sure I buy the way the show is depicting that second part because then okay. it just like has Rick fart in our face. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, it and, is a comedy. You got to have some fart jokes sometimes. Well, do you though? That's, that's <clears throat> no, coming that's back the question, to that's the <laughs> question, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, okay. So going in like more into Rick, you know, are we supposed to like Rick? Absolutely not. Of course not. He is toxic. Um, although apparently there are some fans online who are are fans. The best take, in fact, one of the only good takes I read online. I did after I I waited to actually do research about the show in the fans and people's reaction to the show until after I'd watched all my episodes. So the the good take that I read online is that Rick is a tragic figure who has to literally search through the universe to find meaning. Um, but ultimately can't because of his worship of science and intellect. So the show is definitely talking a lot about the modern view of science as the ultimate source of meaning, right? And that's where the nihilism comes in because sometimes if you're just worshiping science, what does it actually lead to in terms of soul in terms of making sense of everything do you not do you not agree no i don't know if i i do totally because like there there's so many scientists who find the work that they do meaningful and valuable and they find beauty and meaning in their work like they're not pieces of shit like rick you know like you could you could be an atheistic or an atheist scientist who, you know, only, you know, believes that this is it and the meaning is only what, you know, you bring to it yourself and not be Rick about it. I'm not trying to say that all scientists are Rick or that Rick is the personification of science. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the show, not not Rick himself, that the show is really exploring, you know, a world that lives according to, like, scientific principles, and what are the ethics within that world? Because everyone kind of just accepts that Rick's intellect, you know... Makes is, him a god. Is Yeah, is the ultimate. And... But it really brings a lot of darks. Like, it does show, like, the darkness that comes from that. But at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't question whether whether this scientific thing should be upheld as such a glorious achievement. Well, I want to use this as a jumping off point to actually bring us to the next episode, which is my favorite Rick and Morty episode. Okay. Um, which is um, the episode Autoerotic Assimilation, which is the episode where uh, Rick briefly has a fling with a um, collective consciousness yes. on a planet Yes. who then breaks up with him. And then the the episode itself is fine and it's good and it's funny and everything like that. 
and it's a perfectly fine episode. Why do you like this episode, episode so much, Dave? Why I like the episode is because of the ending, which I won't say out of nowhere, but rather surprisingly to me ends with this scene, which is of Rick's suicide attempt, a failed suicide attempt. Also, I will mention, and important, I think, to how effective it is, scored or set to the Chaos Chaos song, Do You Feel It?, which is a very lovely song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was but, sometimes random uh, music in this show at the end. Yeah, there's uh, good music on this show. Yeah, I wasn't always sure how it fit in, but like it was like, oh, we want to use this song, we're going to use this song. That time it did work, I think. Yeah, but um, I thought, I just think the scene is incredibly beautiful and moving and just kind of took my breath away the first time I saw the episode and it just uh, hit me so hard that I never really looked at the show the same way again. Yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to walk through my reaction to that episode because I again felt that tension where I thought that the show was suddenly trying to get me to care about something that it hadn't earned. Okay. So it wasn't that I was like, okay, Rick can't have any emotions that's not allowed because he's just a sociopath it's just and it wasn't that it completely came out of left field because in a way the episode had been building up to that within that specific episode but I don't know if the character had earned it from previous journey I mean I think there are going to be people who disagree with me on this it just it did not hit me. I'll say it did not hit me the way that it hit you. Hmm. I was, I kind of, it kind of left me a little cold. I was like, oh, really? He's sad now? And like, oh, is he just going to, I just, I was like, oh, I bet in the next episode he forgets about it and like never mentions it again. And I know that the show does have, you know, a little bit of movement in terms of various characters, but yeah, again, it didn't, it didn't do it for me in the same way. And I and I was not and I will say, you know, I wasn't trying to come to the show with pre-existing biases. I I was literally reacting to it as I was watching it, you know. But I mean, how do you think it I mean, you know, you were talking about how you were feeling about Rick's sort of um, outlook on the universe a minute ago. And so yeah. I, I feel like this sort of reflects on that because it shows that he's not um he he's not a creature without feeling you know the things that happen to him do matter he's working very hard to repress that but clearly like in this instance it boiled up you know yeah i mean i think rick is a successful depiction of someone who does try to live without connection and the show does show that that fails for him. It doesn't. It surely doesn't make him happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at the look at the drinking. I mean, it's he's just trying to numb himself. Yeah, and and I, you know, there there are that is what like led me to feel that the show did have more levels than it first you know started out with in season one. I guess the only thing I can say is I just oftentimes didn't connect with with those feelings because of how 
how strong the nihilism is in other ways. And I don't necessarily think the show is preaching that, but it's saying this is the way it is, at least in this many universes. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it does go out of its way to prove Rick right, um, and sometimes the nihilism is a little too much for me, too. So, you know, I, I, I see your point. Uh, yeah, I think it's just fundamentally, I don't believe that the world is like that. I mean, this is... This show is saying about, you know, in even if there are the the multiple universes are like a metaphor, it's talking about the chaos and like all our connections are just trying to make us feel better. That doesn't mean they can't give us meaning. But I think for me, I take a more sort of traditional old school <laughs> good and evil <laughs> view of the world, less based on chaos, um, that cruelty comes from darkness versus light um and so i think yeah the sh- i think i just have a different view of the world than the show is depicting would your worldview be changed if you discovered that the universe was like what it was in the rick and morty way where you could you know there's a almost limitless number of alternates some of which are nearly identical some of which are quite different but basically there's just tons and tons of versions of you and you could just jump from one to another oh no dave it, i think if i if i think if i murdered myself and buried myself in the garden i would feel exactly the same no just kidding <laughs> of course you know of course if i was like you know exposed to all the things that the show was saying if i found out that the show's universe really was how the way things are um because like the show is kind of saying, like, given this, you have a choice, but it's also saying, you know, you would be dumb not to recognize the chaos that everything is. It's, yeah, I, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. <laughs> but, not just for you. Right? And so I can see why the show gets in people's heads. And it and it did get in my head a little bit when I was watching it, but actually not necessarily in a good way. Like I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at other notes I've written. Nihilism is never deep, <laughs> 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 and like I think we've identified here that that's a little unfair. Like you can there are nuances, but then there there are lots of times where the show is not at all nuanced, and yeah. like that's not that's okay. It's just not for me. Okay. What did you score that episode, by the way? Um, I think, actually, I, I didn't have a notebook at that time, so I didn't write down a score. If I was scoring it right now, I think I think it would be less than a four for me. I think it would be maybe a 3.5. I know, it's low. It's low because, okay. again, it didn't, it didn't land. It didn't quite land. What about the next one, Total Recall, with all the memory uh, memory parasites? Yeah, I said it's an it's like another Inception episode. We talked about the Inception parody earlier, but that one was like this is an Inception parody, whereas mm. this one was kind of doing that same thing but in a more creative and unique way. Oh yeah. Um you know, anytime you're like, well, we got to break it down. We got to lean in, we got to push it even further like in terms of there's another universe and there's another one, but having another main character who has thoughts and feelings within controlling that universe really 
actually add injected some heart, which is what was often for me lacking in some of the other episodes. There was the the Stephen Colbert guy. Who was the guy who? Oh no, played... you're thinking of the next episode. Oh, sorry, I am the micro. I thought we were talking the about the We're talking about the ones with the um the the parasites who uh, the fake memories. Oh, hang on. Yeah, sorry. I um I jumped ahead. Um, well, the, do a little recap of the fake uh, memory episode for me. There are these parasites who uh, breed in your memories by creating fake memories. And so basically you're sitting around and you have a fake memory involving someone who you've never met before. And then that fake someone is there. And so there'll be like uh, Mr. Beauregard and yes, um, yes. Penn Sylvester. Yeah, I think actually that that episode wasn't my favorite in the run, but I actually think that would be a pretty good episode to introduce Rick and Morty to somebody who had never seen it because oh, I think yeah. it's I think it's quite clever and I think it's also a good it's a standalone episode. So it's kind of like it's not necessarily so much about the other themes that are going before or after it. I think you could watch that episode and it's there's a lot of like clever animation with all the different characters and it's introducing the concept of the multiple universes like at, as well. Okay, so you were talking about the next one, The Ricks Must Be Crazy, where we have the microverse. Yeah, that the one, teeny-verse that one the stuck with me a little bit more. What did you like about it? Just the, I... the fact of the... Uh... You know the multiple universes that are yeah. Like I was by, saying, it's like you know. it's like an, an another idea of Inception. I thought yeah. the um the fact that they were in their adventure while um Summer uh, was doing her own Summer's thing. I just, love the B plot of this one. It's so good. Like keep it, like Summer safe. Bringing Summer to the forefront, even though she doesn't actually have very many character traits. They just do a lot with her. Like she doesn't actually have much of a personality. Um, like oh, Morty. No, she's okay. Yeah, she's okay. But like all, everything they give her to do is her reactions are really good. And I, you know, the end with the with the ice cream, I actually thought was like tied nicely together very yes, well. Yes, it did. I just, I loved Rick's hyper competent bitchy car. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that's another four episode for me, I think for sure. That was more that was one of my favorites. Oh my god, did you did you ever give anything a five? Let Dave, let's not spoil it. Okay. We haven't gotten to pickle Rick yet. Oh I don't no spoilers. <laughs> All right. The next episode is the wedding squanchers, where they go to Bird Person and Tammy's wedding. Now, I did not include any of the prior episodes that introduced Rick's friend, Bird Person, uh, that introduced uh you know, his close friendship with him or his close friendship with Squanchy uh, or... Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, or, I see there's um, some background there. Or Summer's friendship with Tammy. So that was kind of a risk I had to take that you would just know that they had a history. But uh, what did you think of this episode? Um, it wasn't this my This is favorite. another one with heart. It wasn't my favorite. I wrote emotion is fake. Oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if at this point I'd kind of developed a little bit of a preconception based on my own reaction from previous episodes. And so I was maybe projecting that onto episodes. And I mean, I could say I wasn't giving them a fair chance, but I was giving them a regular chance by watching them. You know, I wasn't reading anything else outside. I maybe I was watching it a little bit at this point with my arms folded every time that they would try to talk about something with feeling 
Like, honestly, the episodes that I identified more with were more like the creative zany ones because when they would introduce emotion and heart, I just didn't buy it a lot of the time. Do you think it would have worked better if I'd had you see some of those more establishing episodes where you'd seen Bird Person before? That's possible. So, mm, Dave, really, be. You, you fucked up here, Dave. I fucked this up, everyone. You, I'm sorry. You ruined, you ruined Rick and Morty. I hate the show because, specifically because of you. <sighs> well, there's only or one solution. Do I? I gotta, gotta jump to another universe where I did it the right <laughs> way. Um, yeah, because I said by making it a spy story, it kind of emp- like emphasizes that it's not actually about the wedding and doesn't have anything to say about love and relationships except that they Oh, I don't know if that's true. I, I'm just reading what I wrote. Yeah, it doesn't take away from what got said previously, you know. It just yeah. doesn't mean it was. It just wasn't a real wedding. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, I think a lot of the times the show, I mean, of course, these, these people were all in a role, so they weren't really in love, but, like, it's the show is over and over saying, like, this love is a cover, it's not real, these relationships can be manipulated, and that just makes it hard for me to get invested. Well, Bird Person thought it was real. That's true. Poor Bird Person. Oh, by the way, did you, um, I don't know, I guess I forgot to ask, did you know that there were post credit sequences? Did you watch any of those? I watched some of them, and sometimes I forgot. Okay, yeah, I'm the same way. Sometimes yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, some of them are good, though. Just uh, No, definitely, definitely. The ones that I would see, I would be like, oh, cute, you know? And yeah. Then, but I, I'm glad that it wasn't, like, the actual point, because I often thought that the last, you know, minute or two of a Rick and Morty episode would be the strongest part of it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I do like this one, and there's I, I I feel like there is some heart at the end of this one, but I do not think it hits as hard as in uh, autoerotic assimilation. Uh, perhaps it's um, you know, starting to be uh, less uh, less effective. I mean, adding I can, the sad song to. Uh, I can see that if song. I had decided to like watch the whole show, or if I had been watching it from the beginning. That if there was buildup of relationship with Rick, then maybe I would have been more on board for the show having an emotional message after all. That this guy's journey through the universe through nihilism is really just something that's killing him. Um, maybe I would have come that to that conclusion. He had friendships. You know, there's that scene in the bar where he's looking at the picture of him with his friends and yeah. his moment of regret before turning himself in. Yeah, I just wish that the show was actually, I think it wants us to jump to the conclusion that because of these things, these tragedies in his life, Rick has gone so far the other way. And that's why he's such an asshole. I just think that the show could actually do a little bit tighter job, not spelling it out for us, but really connecting some of those dots because Rick is such an asshole and like so extreme in other situations. Would that be funny though? Well, I'm I don't know if it's funny either way, but <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> I mean, again, I often wrote down the the point in the episode where I would laugh because there were some episodes where I laughed more than once, but not the majority. Okay. So, I mean, we're going to talk about what is for me and what is not for me. Like when I'm making these judgments on the show, it's it's very much, you know, from a personal point of view. Like, I'm acknowledging that. 
And oh, I yeah. think I think that if I was laughing at this show, I would have had a lot fewer philosophical critiques because uh, because I wasn't laughing as much as other people who like the show. I was trying to pick it apart and look yeah. for meaning. And I'm like, well, if there's no jokes here, what am I watching? Left it your a, it left you it left your mind free to have the your gears turning to exactly. pick it apart. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I knew we were going to discuss it anyway, so you know, mm. I just because I wasn't laughing, I felt that it was up its own ass too much of it's, the time. It's definitely up its own ass plenty. I mean, right. even as someone who likes it. And I like a certain type of up its own ass. You know, I watched about, you know, three or four bad Jane Austen adaptations so I wouldn't have to finish my episodes at the beginning. <laughs> like, I have my own pretentiousness and snobbery and I will own that. Oh, but Jane Austen. You know... We are who we are, and we're not a lot of people of color in that either, Faith. For the rest of our lives, actually, actually, I watched a bad Jane Austen uh, adaptation, and they keep talking about um, this new heiress in town, and then she walks into the ball, and oh my god, she's black! Everyone notices. Well, mm-hmm. all right, Sanditon. It's not very good. Well, this brings us. I give, it, I give it a three on a one to five Rick and Morty scale. <laughs> oh, not bad. Almost as good as autoerotic assimilation. But we're finally at the last episode that you were assigned for your homework. It is, of course, Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick. Yeah, this was the only this was the only episode in season three that I watched. And I know the show's had what, four seasons now? Yeah. Okay. Was this episode really famous immediately when it came out? Yeah, it was famous before it came out. There was an advertisement for season three where it just featured the scene where Morty comes and Rick was like, I turned myself into a pickle, Morty. I'm pickle Rick. And the phrase, I'm pickle Rick, became a meme and a part of the zeitgeist okay, even long before the episode, before the episode even gotcha. aired. This is, I've had arguments with people about this as to whether or not it's this or the Meeseeks episode, but I feel very confident in my position that this is hands down the most famous and culturally relevant and zeitgeist penetrating episode of Rick and Morty. I wasn't going to give you any season three episodes. I was just going to have you stick to seasons one and two to keep it simple, but I was just like, I, I can't have you do Rick and Morty and not include Pickle Rick. No, so. I'm glad you did because I think I think it kind of, as one episode, I think it kind of encapsulates a lot of the things that we've been talking about, about all the other previous episodes. So I don't have like a lot of notes for this, but I actually remember it much better than... It stick it sticks in your mind, let's say. It's it's got a unique premise and execution. And a catchphrase. It does have a catchphrase. I don't really care for any of the catchphrases. You you'll, you might be surprised to hear. Um however, it's a very unique idea and at the same time it's doing a fairly well-done spoof of genre in the action movie section. There's a lot of action in Rick and Morty. There is, and maybe I'm not enough of um, well-versed in, in the history of action movies to k- pick up on all of it. I've seen some of the classics, not all. 
do you do you like it though? I mean, like, did you enjoy it at, like as action? I thought that the action sequence were well constructed. Like, I think that Pickle Rick is a well constructed episode, and I also I also thought that the the plot with the therapist and voiced the, by Susan Sarandon, by the way, right? Um, and the 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 conclusion of that was at a higher level in terms of. Um, it's emotional maturity than some of the other episodes. I did mm. feel that the show was kind of stepping it up a little bit in terms of uh, depicting a range of recognizable and um, relatable emotions. Um, she is also one of the very few people who really uh, take Rick down a peg successfully. Yeah, it's well, it's not just the way that character is. It's the way the show depicts Rick's relationship with his daughter and the way she's apologizing for him. And then mm-hmm. even though they have a warm moment at the end, you can tell that he's just, she's just covering up because she wants love from him. <laughs> yeah. It's like toxic. I, I, yeah, it's toxic. I think, you know, and I do appreciate the way it doesn't, the show doesn't back off of the, of the mom and dad um, conflict. Like, you know, that's realistic. It's not pleasant to experience, but it, it doesn't keep being like, they'll be fine. It doesn't reset like a Family Guy or a Simpsons right. um, situation. It's like, actually, this is bad. And this whole family is toxic. Yeah. But <laughs> and, people and change. Have... You know, they evolve on this show. Right. So, okay. So, Pickle Rick, I think it is smartly constructed. I think there is heart. I still... Did you think it was it... funny? I didn't think it was that funny. Holy and I, shit. And I didn't have a great time watching it. Holy shit. Because like there were some episodes where I'm like, oh, I'm smiling or, oh, this is cute. I, d- I, I thought that the, the, the Rick as a pickle was repulsive. <laughs> 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 and every time he was on screen as a pickle, even though it's a funny idea and it's, it's, it's funny just to so see him as a pickle. Crazy idea. I, it's a crazy idea, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's inventive, but I just didn't enjoy myself. Like as I I watched it, I appreciate it, I got it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> oh man, I know. I know. I'm disappointing a lot of people. I know, like a lot of the opinion that launched a thousand hate mails. A, a lot of people and and my friends are going to be disappointed like you know they you know some of my friends are like oh my god i'm so excited for you to watch it i can't wait to talk about it with you and and then all the hate mails are gonna be coming from our friends that's correct (laughs) i'm I'm like knocking shit over i'm laughing so hard (laughs) brian i'm sorry (laughs) ed i'm sorry (laughs) i mean you know like let's 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 get back to like what we talked about in part one, whereas the reason that I chose Rick and Morty is not because I wanted to be a masochist to myself. And it's not, it worked out that way, but okay. Right. It's not because I wanted to watch something and shit on it. I wanted to come to a property that I'd heard a lot about that people loved with an open mind and see, and in a genre that I struggle with anyway. Now you suggested that maybe I should have picked something a little more accessible. I mean, we've known each other a long time. Maybe you could have predicted some of my reactions, not all. I I mean, I just felt like this was this, this wouldn't have been the show I would have picked for you first. But I was also interested to see what you thought of it. 
I I think it's a good thing that I saw it because I think that Rick and Morty, as much as I struggled with some of the message and some of the elements of the show, is a show for our time. If hmm. The Simpsons was the animated show like of the early to mid nineties and South Park is the late nineties to early aughts, like Rick and Morty is a show for now. For or let's say a show for you know, 2016, 2018, the time when you have questioning about, you know, elements on the internet, troll culture, toxic culture on the internet, and, you know, people using science as a weapon against others. It's exploring a lot of those, like, elements in other ways, you know, in a sci-fi fantasy way. But I think the sentiment of this show, not that it's espousing toxicity, it's not preaching toxicity, it's depicting it. Um, It is a very important show for now. So I am glad that I saw it. But, you know, in terms of, like, animation and how... I have a relationship to it. You know, I, I said earlier that like there are sort of kind of shows in two camps. You have your Simpsons and then your Family Guy. And I feel like Simpsons has heart and Family Guy has farts. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's just there one kind of show I relate to and the other kind I don't. South Park has never been for me. Um, whereas a show like Futurama which I know is like a little bit hit or miss. It's there's so many episodes, but and it has sentimentality. That show is much more for me. And, you know, a show like Bojack Horseman, which is kind of overflowing with examinations of empathy. I haven't watched the whole show, but I really admire what it's doing. And if I'm trying to say what why I think Rick and Morty is in the second camp, <laughs> it really maybe just comes down to the show likes making poop and fart jokes sometimes. And I don't go for that. So in terms of where it falls in animation, does it have clever ideas that it runs with? Yes. But this is this experiment was not successful in terms of do I want to go forward? with Rick and Morty as an animated show. Aww. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, I will say I will say one other thing. I wanted to do my due diligence because I do think that this show is important for for right now. So I actually watched three other animated shows that I'd never seen that are kind of current. Oh, what what'd you do? Um, I did some homework, yeah. Um, I watched an episode of Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. because I know that's a little bit of a Simpsons um, successor. I watched an episode of Big Mouth, and I watched an episode of Tuca and Birdie, which okay. is made by the same people who made uh, BoJack. Uh, can you guess which one of those I liked? Tuca and Birdie. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Bob's Burgers I thought was fine. It was cute. And I and for each of these, I chose something that was considered like one of their best episodes. Um, for Big Mouth, I really, it wasn't for me. I didn't connect with it. I didn't think it was very funny. Tuka and Birdie, I laughed within the first 25 seconds, and I continued laughing throughout the show. I thought the animation was, like, visually zany, stimulating, and um, added something to what the show was doing. So I'm all in, for, I'm all in on Tuka and Birdie. Uh, you heard it here first on the podcast. 
Well, I mean, not to be reductive about it, but I mean, Tuca and Birdie, a show made by women, you know? I, I, I absolutely take, I absolutely take, take that point. And I think that's probably true. I think that when we say, you know, do, do I hate Rick and Morty? No. Is it for me? Probably not. Yeah. I I do, you know, I do disagree with you a little bit on your heart versus farts scale on where Rick and Morty lands, because Mm -hmm. I do think Rick and Morty does have heart. I think that, um, when it comes down to it, Rick and Morty does cheat a little bit. I think having seen four seasons of the show now, I think what Rick and Morty tries to do is be 90 minutes of the farts and then throw in like the heart a little bit. And it's really effective and good heart and it goes a long way and they get a little more credit for it than maybe they deserve. Um, I really, but, yeah, that's really what I've been trying to say. I did feel the cheating and the ratios off a little bit, but, but it for, felt inauthentic yeah. and I, and I don't, and I don't think that it is meant that way, but it that's why it didn't land. Yeah, but I also I think I think the the ratio has gone off maybe a little bit for me lately, like just some of the and you know, this could also be a consequence of how you watched it. You didn't watch the whole show, and that's my True. fault. I had you only watch a select number well, of I episodes. Refused. I like, refused to watch the whole you show. <laughs> I, I go back to that one episode that I told you is my favorite. Mm-hmm. where you know it all clicked and when it worked it i was intensely moved mm-hmm. so you know the show does do good work and i think if you you know and even like you talked about beth and rick and their father daughter relationship there are other episodes with them later on after pickle rick that explores their relationship more that's pretty good you know so and i don't want to discount that like i i given the fact we've already been talking you know for over an hour about these issues we've gotten pretty deep in some of them i think i think does the show credit that these issues are raised in the show i think it's just a question of the method the methodology the show uses to convey them and how does it land with its audience yeah you know so maybe maybe we should talk about the fans a little bit. Yeah. So um, and I also have a few. You know, I think we've done the show, so now we'll talk about the fans. I I got a few little bits of esoterica too, if we want to get sure. into that. Um, so with the fans, and I knew nothing about this actually. I just had heard that the fans were very uh, intense and fervent. I didn't know how toxic they were. <sighs> As, not well, all of them. No, we're uh, talking about the fifteen-year-old boy fans, right? Well, unfortunately, not all of them are fifteen. Um, okay, which is a real uh, black mark on them. But um, so let's talk first. Let's go from like incidences of like less seriousness to more serious, like the the Szechuan sauce. The real standout thing here is that. So as with a lot of things that are popular in nerd culture, there is a very intense, fervent fandom for Rick and Morty, and some of those fans are just the fucking worst. And the standout thing that happened with this was that the season premiere of season three, which I did not have you watch, features Rick escaping from space jail. 
and uh part of the episode has him talking at length about the um movie tie-in special szechuan dipping sauce that mcdonald's put out for the movie mulan Mm -hmm. the mulan szechuan sauce from mcdonald's Mm -hmm. and how awesome it was right and so the episode was a big hit and it just got everyone talking about that again for a while the mulan sauce and so mcdonald's trying to be zeitgeisty and cool was like hey we're bringing back the mulan sauce for a short limited time yeah they did this they did not anticipate how popular it would be yeah i've seen some of the videos of this so they ran out and people flipped the fuck out in a really disgusting way. And there's well, all these seemed, videos online. It of seemed like it was like a coordinated it. effort to all do it, to all gather kind of at the same time in some instances. I don't know if it was that, but it was just like everyone wanted to get in on this. And when they ran out, they behaved like terribly. And there's lots of video of it online. Right. I mean, it comes to the idea, like the idea of people as entitled, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like yes, this McDonald's doesn't have that sauce, but who are you yelling at? Minimum wage workers, you know, who, who are, can do nothing have, about it, who have no idea what is going on, and you're don't watch the show, them. don't have any idea what you're talking about, like yeah. yeah, and you think it's slash funny, like it's gonna you know show up well. It really, I mean, it is amusing in the idea of okay they're all just like making a big fuss but it's not funny for the people who aren't in on the joke right so that's the big thing but the other thing too i think goes a little bit to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about rick which is that um there are people who really idolize rick and i don't think you should or not for the reasons of his his introductory behavior. Mm. Like you can you can you know say you know I had like a toxic background and then I went on a journey just like Rick, but that's not what people are identifying with. Right. They they idolize his genius and his nihilism. Mhm. I and mean, it's fine to idolize genius, but um the the genius is used to excuse his nihilism. Yeah. It's so. like science. That's what I was trying to critique about the science part before. It's like when you say like sci- like logic and reason are the ultimate values, then like that can excuse certain other types of behavior right. when it's taken to an extreme length, as we have seen in history. So, so I mean, it just it comes to the question of like how how who are these fans like is a proportion. This show is wildly popular, right? It's one of the most popular animated shows on at the moment. So. These fans are surely not the majority of the people who enjoy the show, and yet the show has such a bad reputation. So the question becomes, you know, who are the gatekeepers? Who are the quote-unquote real fans? Is it the people who are the loudest, right? How does a show get a bad reputation? Like, I'm sure Dan Harmon is horrified about this, but also he bears some responsibility for how it turned out. Do you know what I mean? What do you think? I, I don't. I don't have the answers to these questions. Toxic nerd fandom is a real, uh, a real issue of our times. Right. You know, it's I turned mean, it's turned me off of a lot of the things that I used to love, um, and love passionately. And if I knew how to answer this one, I'd, I'd be a lot happier. But I don't. 
like I'm really not trying to blame the show creators for the way that the fans have behaved. I'm not, but like, you know, the the worst uh, um, incident of this is when the show brought in some female writers in was it season three? Yeah, they brought they brought in female writers, and there was some, uh, you know, the predictably awful online behavior towards them on Twitter and other. They were social, abused, and they were they were doxed, right? Uh, were they? I don't know. I, heard, I, I do know I that they were that they, treated terribly, though. I heard that they were doxed by the by mm. the fans. I don't know, like what extent, like their personal information was shared. But it's absolutely, you know, shocking and not shocking at the no, same time. No, it's not shocking at all. That's the real thing. Yeah, it's so it's appalling, but it isn't surprising. No. And like in a way, it makes you want to have the show do a real left turn in terms of the way it's addressing these issues like it it needs to face them a little bit more head on it's not like the show is to blame for these people believing what they believe but also i think it bears some responsibility to address it and be like actually you are not representing us and i think doesn't it do that a little bit or i don't know if i would say that i would say that summer and beth have become larger parts of the show yeah i mean how much a show should interact with its fans is a is a question. But I do think that some of the ideas in this show are related to why the the really adamant toxic fans like it so much and they're misreading it in my opinion and yet I just feel like it's not an accident that mm. they came up. That I don't know I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. Um Maybe they'll just move on to something else eventually. Not sure. But I don't know. This show is at the peak of its powers. It's been renewed for like hundreds of episodes, right? Well, it's it's going to have more episodes, but the, at the rate they put them out, who knows if there will ever be more. Really? Yeah, they're very slow, their production schedule. And I'm sure people really love that. Yeah, no, they, they're thrilled. Well, so on that topic... So you mentioned a few times uh, Dan Harmon, but the show is actually from uh, two people. Uh, right. Dan Harmon yes. is one of the creators. The other creator is uh, Justin Roiland, who is also the voice of Rick and Morty. Indeed. Um, so the way the show came about, just for those of you who don't know, is that um, while Dan Harmon was on a brief break from Community because he got fired from that show for a while, um, Adult Swim approached him to come up with something if he wanted for them and he reached out to Royland who uh, had created a short parody of Back to the Future for Channel 101 which I talked about in part one of this episode oh yeah and they they were like well why don't we um turn that into a show and so they did um and the first episode aired in December of 2013 and oh, okay. and season four just wrapped in May of this year 2020 if you want to get an idea of how slow their production really is right um but so you were also talking mentioned way back earlier like an hour ago of what a charisma suck morty is <laughs> that was um that was a bone of contention with the studio a little bit um where they almost didn't let roiland voice morty or there was a bit of a controversy over that because um they or at least they thought they wanted 
Morty recast, but it was more more that the note was Morty was too much of a pushover to Rick. They needed they wanted Morty to have more backbone. Yeah. But I think you can see that the idea with Morty was just to have him evolve a little bit, which I think he does do. Yeah, he does do. And I and it, and I don't really think that the voice acting adds that much. I don't think that Justin um, Roiland is a great voice actor. I don't really think... I'm trying to think if someone else playing the part would have done... A, would have added to the show. Yeah, and I, I will... Like, I, I feel like those I voices will. are pretty iconic at this point. No? I mean, that maybe Morty they are for you. As I annoying don't, as it can be. I don't connect with them personally. And I'll, and I'll bring it back, unfortunately, to Tuca and Birdie again. I think those voice performances by Ali Wong and Tiffany Haddish are lend an, uh, a type of personality immediately to those characters. And I only watched one episode that just worked together with the animation. I, I'm not saying it, this guy does a bad job. It just, it doesn't really add anything for me. And um, as much as those voices of Rick and Morty are recognizable. Okay. Yeah. Well, just to wrap it up, I will also say that in addition to being wildly popular, the show is um, well thought of critically. It has won two Emmys for Outstanding Animated Program. In 2018, the episode Pickle Rick won the Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program, noteworthy, too, for having been written by one of the female members of their staff, Jessica Gao. All right, so there you all go. Right. There you go. Suck on that, fanboys. <laughs> the best episode of the entire show written She's by one Rick of now bitches yeah, written by one of your despised women <laughs> and they just won an Emmy again this year for an episode called the vat of acid episode do you do you like that one do you recommend it uh I did like it I don't like it as much as the pickle Rick episode all right it is it is funny though I mean pickle Rick as much as it like you know I had certain issues with it i think it is probably an iconic um episode of television of this show it is that yeah well anyway faith there's really only one more thing i need to know what is that dave was rick and morty in your opinion something that you consider to have been better late or on the other hand never by which i mean Better late is something essential in your cultural bona fides that you needed in your life to be a well-rounded cultural woman about town. Or never is something where whatever, fuck it, you could go through your whole life without ever seeing this, and that would just be a-okay. Well, Dave, you might think that this is an obvious one for me given what I've said in the past 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back to my belief that as much as this show, and I've said the many ways, is not for me, it is an important show, and it is a show that represents our time. And so if we're talking about a TV canon so to speak, of which animation I recognize is a part of that, although it takes a lot more for me. There's a higher bar for me to get into that. You know, do I think that it's important that people watch Rick or Morty? I mean, as much as it's important that you watch any 
TV show in this age of, you know, infinite streaming. It is indicative of America and the world and the internet and popular culture in, you know, the 20 teens till now. So given that it's still a never for me, dog, it's just not funny enough. It's just not funny enough. Fake. That's what it comes down to. Coming with the fake out. Yeah. Good sorry, preamble. Sorry, though. yell it. <laughs> All right. But I mean, thank you for this experience. I like. I know it was my idea, and I know that there are maybe some people going to be disappointed. But like, I I really did give it a good go, and I do oh, appreciate. Yeah. I I'm glad I did it. I think it was a good experience, and I would do another show that I thought might be out of my wheelhouse. I would try again with something else. I mean, look, you watched 11 episodes of a show you didn't like. I'm not going to knock you for saying that you ultimately didn't care for it. Yes, I'm years older. That Of all the things in 2020. (laughs) This was the worst. (laughs) Well, I thought it was a great conversation, though, too, so that also... Yeah, Real thanks good. so much for like, you know, being into diving into some of this stuff. Like, oh, no, you know, thank you. for other Rick and Morty fans that I know, I'm happy to like get into it. And I think that there are certain points that I'm like persuadable on. Yeah. And you're <laughs> allowed to have personal taste. Right. You know, it's it's like Rick and Morty say. Am I? I don't I don't know if the internet says that's correct. No, no, they don't. And in fact, I also do. You're wrong and you're going to hell. <laughs> um well, anyway, in, uh, I'm in internet jail. Yeah, you're on internet jail. Off to the galaxy. Well, thank you very much, Faith, for doing Dave, this. This episode. was great. Yeah, this was great. Um, if you would like to get in touch with the podcast and tell me everything I forgot to say about Rick and Morty or everything that I got wrong and how I screwed up this pitch about how great it was, yada yada yada, uh, you can email me at betterlatethaneverpod at gmail dot com, or you can tweet at me at better late underscore pod please uh like and subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review on itunes leave a comment do all that stuff you're supposed to do i forget what all of it is but you've listened to other podcasts before you know what it all is just go do that and um thank you all for listening so faith once again thank you so much for watching all of this programming that you didn't like and then talking about it dave always a pleasure love the new format Yeah, well, we'll do it again. And for all of you out there listening, I will catch you next time. Bye.